This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. How do I look? How do I look? How do I look? Okay? Just making sure. Mic check. Mic check. One, two. Check. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now, are you sure? Yeah, I can hear. You sounded fine on all of the numbers you just counted. Are you sure that you have the right microphone input in your input? In my audacity? In your audacity. I have the audacity to pick the right Do microphone. you have the audacity to pick the right input? Yeah, it's, you know, it's been right for the past, like, three podcasts. I think you probably just did it wrong. Do you, do you have the audacity to suck my... Welcome to episode 72 of Unqualified... Wait, where's my... Has it been that many? There it is, it's episode 72, it is, there's nothing you can do about it. Oh my god. Nothing you can do about it. Welcome to episode 72 of Unqualified Gamers. I am Cody, and John is making sound effects on the Googles right now. No, the Googles... The Google sound effects are done. Hey, remember that time it was funny to say the Googles instead of Google? Because it's, it's ironic, right, that that you don't know that it's really called Google, so you call it the Googles. That, you know how funny that is? I don't think that's ironic. It's not funny either, but people yeah. do it, including us, and I am now full of self-loathing, quite frankly. Okay, good. Great. Yeah. Hey, it's the I end of... I thought you were full of self-loathing far before this episode. Probably. So, hey, it's the end of May. It's the beginning of summer. That means that, well, traditionally on Unqualified Gamers, John and I become really busy with things like being outside and spending time with friends and not podcasting. But this year's going to be different because we're going to keep going through the summer. That's our plan. That's our plan. But our podcast may be a bit more abbreviated. For example... This week, we will not talk about what you played over the weekend, listener. I'm so sorry. I'm terribly sorry. But it was. Nor will we talk about games that we played. We're going to talk about games that we played instead, and we'll we'll talk about our weekends a little bit. But we keep a little short and sweet uh, so that John can sleep. That rhymed, by the way. Yes, I know. It was clever. Now, that was ironic. How? (sighs) So. What did you do this weekend? Happy belated Memorial Day, Jonathan. Thank you. What oh, what did you do? And to and to all of our service members. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Honestly, that everything I say sounds sarcastic, but that wasn't honestly. So yeah. thank you. No, no, no I, really. Not neither was it for me. From Cody, it was a little sarcastic. Um, so it was Memorial Day, and like I had it off work, which is awesome. So we did the traditional. We we left for Memorial Day, um, and we went to a cabin. Uh, one of our friends' parents' cabin. A cabin, a with... cabin in the woods? It was, in fact, in the woods. Was Josh um, Whedon there? He was not okay. on this trip. So um, I, I'm not sure we, I follow them. We were on a lake in a cabin in the woods in Minnesota. Oh, that, okay, that's different then. Okay, continue. R- right. So um, we were on a lake, and we stayed for a couple of days. And I will say that... Um, so I guess, you know, you could call this our first vacation since Max, right? Our first vacation since the baby. This was your first um, vacation since the baby. That's kind of what I, I literally just said. Well, you said, said I could call it that, so I did. No. Oh, I literally just said that. So it was the first vacation we've had. And 
I will say that vacations become slightly less relaxing when you have a baby. Um, just because, like, the, you're, you know, he still demands kind of constant attention. So it's basically demanding constant attention, just not at home. And frankly, it makes it a little more difficult to not be at home, where you're kind of familiar with where stuff is and. You know, if you need to put something down and just throw it on the ground for a second, you can do that without, like, feeling bad about putting it in somebody else's house. I mean, said it was a great trip. So we had an awesome time, ate a lot of food, a lot of good food, but we ate a lot of food, which is kind of traditional cabin excursion-type activity. Um, and I rode a jet ski for the first time how, ever how in my life. That? It was freaking awesome. I can't believe I had never ridden a jet ski. I think I've had one other opportunity, though, to be perfectly honest, like, in my entire life. And I just, I didn't take it because I was young and scared and stupid. And this time I'm old and stupid and no longer scared of it. Um, so I rode a jet ski and, like, apparently the thing, the one that I was on topped out at, like, 55 or 60 miles an hour. And uh, that's really fast on something that's, like, open air if you've never been on something riding that fast. Um, but I, uh, I, I was like good on it until about 45 miles an hour. And then when I hit 45, I felt, first of all, whenever you hit the water on a jet ski, when you're at, at 45 miles an hour, it feels like, uh, it feels like you're hitting a steel like slab and that hits your balls every time. Oh, good. good. And so that hurt. It ended up hurting really bad when I was going really fast. Um, and also the water was like 58 degrees or like 56 degrees. So I, you know, wasn't comfortable like going f- fast to the point where I'd fall off the thing. Because I didn't want to freeze to death after getting my ball smashed in. Because that'd be a horrible combination. Like nobody wants no, that. No, it sounds reasonably horrible. I agree. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, the, the place was two hours away. And like taking, taking the boy on the in the car for that long, he actually did awesome. Like we had a great time. And it was really good. Great. So we stayed for three nights and like four days. And then I came back and I had six days in a row off, but it felt like I was back at work immediately. And then today I worked, we had uh, an inventory at work and uh, an inventory as it were. Uh, and that, that was two hours before work, my normal 12 hour work day, which made for a very long day. So you're very tired, and basically what you're saying is you just want... You've Once again, you have forced me to do something that I don't want to do. Well, that's what I do, pretty much. It, it kind of is. It sounds to me pretty much like going on vacation with your baby is kind of like going on vacation with me. Constantly demanding yeah. attention. Constantly demanding attention, shitting yourself in the back seat. Yeah, actually, that is a lot like you. Yeah. I... I'm unprepared... I'm unprepared for this podcast. I I normally have a some scratch paper in which I can write down every time you swear, which is a lot, which causes me to have to do post production. You realize I have to edit this episode after you stop mm-hmm. recording, so you're mm-hmm. basically just trying to make it so I have to stay awake for a really long time, just because you already did. If I did, I would. I should swear at uneven intervals, basically throughout the entire episode, is what you're saying. Uneven. What does that mean? So, like, you know, swear every three, or no, swear like three minutes, and then two and a half minutes, swear again. And it, it pretty much literally doesn't right. matter, and because then, I write down the timestamp and then censor that, so, you know, the intervals I, I are, are not really relevant. I don't use a stamp. 
So what did you do this weekend, Cody, is what you were about to ask me? Oh, I thought you were just going to start talking. I, frankly, I don't care what you did this weekend, but I mean, sure. if you're going to tell me. Great. Yeah, so no, I went to uh, uh, had dinner with an old coworker Friday. It was fun. Saturday was spring cleaning. I, I My OCD kicked in and I just cleaned. I, I mean, did you have like a bunch of boxes and stuff that weren't unboxed or did you just have shit everywhere? I had, uh, I actually brought three or four giant bags of clothes to Goodwill because I didn't need them. Or Salvation Army, I guess. I brought some old, like, electronics, like some antennas for my TV. So I I brought a lot of random stuff to Salvation Army. I am trying to downsize. I think it's just an instinct because of the fact that I've moved, like... 13 times in the last 10 years or something. So I, you know, yeah, which is kind of the worst. Kind of the worst. Yeah. yeah. Um so I I did renew my my lease recently on this apartment, so this will be year number 2 I just began. So that's that's kind of nice, but I I just there's so many things and I look at them and I'm like I am never going to reread these Indian in the cupboard books from third grade. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're probably not. I don't know why you still had those. Yeah, no. So, well, those I actually gave to my mom a few weeks ago to give to my nieces uh, who are younger. But other books like that, like The Rock's autobiography, I don't I don't need that. I- I'm keeping McFoley's autobiography because he actually wrote it and it's really good. But The Rock's ghost-written autobiography from like 1998, why would I reread that? And that was like before he even did anything. Yeah, exactly. So I... So why would, you, why would you want an autobiography of The Rock from '98? That doesn't make any sense. Exactly, it'd be like me writing an autobiography. Uh, I mean, I'm super famous now, so like now it would sell. But right. that would be like me writing one like 15 years ago. Yeah. So, uh, but I found a place in Chicago that actually donates a bunch of books to educational institutions and libraries, and 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 basically finds people that need books and gets them to them. Now, clearly, The Rock's book. Not really that educational, but there were a lot of other books. I had a bunch of old textbooks and some old marketing books and copywriting books and things like that that I donated. So they're all going – I wanted to give it to a place – I beg to differ. I think that the Rock's book probably teaches you how to cook. I see what you did there. Smelling. It, it, well, it doesn't teach you how to cook, but it teaches you how to at least smell what is cooking. So that's a skill, right? That's not usually something you have to be taught, though. But anyway – is the rock really dumb? The other books are pretty good and useful, and I, I didn't want to bring it to Salvation Army where they'll sit on the crappy used bookshelf and someone will maybe pick them up for a dollar later in their life. I wanted them to go somewhere where people look at it and they say, oh, here's a book about writing for journalism from my college years. Like, this could be good for, I don't know, a classroom or a library or something, and then they get it to the right people. So I was happy about that, and... uh yeah, and then Memorial Day, I just drank a lot. I drank a lemonade-flavored Four loco. Like a lot of them, or you just had one, one of them? One, one. One is... Have that's, you had a... That's not a lot. Have you ever had a Four loco? No, but that's just one drink. Do you know what a Four loco is? I know it, what it used to be. Okay. I, so I, know they, I know they changed it. Listener, if you're not aware, Four loco is a big... What are the big cans? Like 20 ounces? 30 ounces? I think they're t- 24... I, it, Probably forty, maybe sixty. It's, I don't a, it's know. a giant. Like a big, it's a big gulp. It's a big can, right? It's one of those big size cans. I think it's twenty four ounces. Twenty four ounces. Let's just say twenty four ounces. And it is is a very high alcohol per volume. I, it's twice as much as beer, so it's about ten or twelve. It's twelve and a half percent alcohol. 
and it's incredibly sweet. It probably has, uh, in terms of diabetes, gr- in, in, it. in terms of grams of sugar, it roughly has diabetes in it. Okay, so tons of sugar, very powerfully flavored, and it used to be caffeinated, so it was like a Red Bull, and a and it, it wasn't just it wasn't just caffeinated like um, like a soda. Like it was caffeinated like an energy drink, and it also had those other things that energy drinks had in them, like taurine. Mm-hmm. And some other things, and with the quantity that was in there and the quantity that people drunk of it, because people were drinking, like, just for Loco to get drunk, they were having heart attacks and dying. Like, there were legitimately people that died from drinking for Loco. So the FDA... And you died. Yeah, I died, so I'm dead right now. So the FDA banned for Loco. They had to redo the formula to remove the caffeine, which they did, but it's a conversation starter. It's it's three fifty for a can, and by the time you're done with the can, because of the amount of alcohol and sugar, you're wasted. It's like drinking a bottle of wine by yourself, pretty much. Really? Oh my God! Are you John? If you have one four loco, you are drunk. Period. I don't care how high your tolerance is. I've talked to several people about this. You are drunk at the end of a four loco, or at least okay. very definitely buzz. Like these things will kick your ass. So. My thing is, whenever I go to a party, I'll bring a six-pack of whatever, but I'm not a big beer drinker, so I'll bring a little bit to contribute, and I always bring in a Four loco because it's all I need to drink. I drink one, and I'm done, and it's an immediate conversation starter. Like, three people went up to me right as soon as I pulled it out of the bag at the party, and they're just like, oh, my God, Four loco, yeah, blah, 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 and then the conversation— Was this a, was this a high school party? Uh, no, this because you were the, actually because that's weird because you were probably the only one drinking. So this was adults for once. I was actually drinking with people over the age of twenty five. Actually, a lot of them were over thirty. So that's not your scene. It's not my usual scene, but any scene you walk into, including college parties, you you bust out a four loco conversation starter, guaranteed to give you a good buzz. You're good to go. So that was how I kicked off my summer. It was with a lemonade flavored four loco. And, okay. lis- and listener, if you're underage, if you're not of the drinking age, I, uh, I know I have drunk tweeted a few times in the last couple weeks, and I know I'm talking about all this alcohol stuff now, but, but I, don't, I don't really drink a lot. I don't drink that often. When I do, I like to get a good buzz and just act really crazy. Most of what I do when I'm drinking is something I would normally do anyway. I'm just a little more encouraged to do when drinking. It's not like I I like to get wasted and do all these crazy things all the time. So I don't want anybody to think that that's like a thing. Uh, I just like to be wacky and crazy and random anyway. That's where I'm at with my life. That's a good story, bro. Thank you. Thank you. So, hey, this is a video game podcast. Did you know that, John? I I did know that. Wow, that's the only thing you know. Literally the only thing you know. Yeah, actually, that is about the only thing that I know about what we do here. And I know you actually played something, so... Uh... I did, I did. So I was gone for the weekend like I talked about, and uh, so, you know, there was no chance to do, like, console gaming. Wait, where did you go? Uh, so there was no chance to do console gaming, so uh, I brought my 3DS, uh, and uh, I started a game that was actually the first game I bought for my 3DS that I had, I had started, like, super briefly before, like super briefly before, um, and just, I never kept going with it. Um, and that game is, is Etrian Odyssey 4. Um, now do you know anything about this series, Etrian Odyssey? No, literally nothing. So this is the fourth one of the series. The first one came, the first 
3 came out on uh, the DS. Um, and this, this series is characterized by... Uh, so it's an, Atlas, it's an Atlas game. It's a role-playing game. The setup to the game... Uh, every single Etrian Odyssey is the exact same. There is a large labyrinth that it is your job to spelunk as a party of five adventurers. You get to set them up in terms of their classes from which you choose from like eight to start. So you have five characters you can you can have in your party. There are eight classes from which to like choose from to start and then as you go through the game as you progress you'll unlock more classes. So by the end you should have about 10 or 11 classes. Um and the story kind of unfolds as you play the game, but it's this really like trashy mystical kind of throwaway story. It doesn't really mean anything. But what really it like defines Etrian Odyssey is that it it is incredibly brutally challenging. Um like brutally challenging. So there's a lot of grinding involved in the game. Um and it's just it's it's very difficult, right? Um, and it also gives you a ton of customization in terms of your character classes. So, um, like I said, there's like eight character classes to start the game, and I've chosen five, right? And one of the characters I've chosen is called a fortress, and that's like a tank for your party, okay? He's he's designed, in general, to kind of take hits, uh, draw the enemy's attacks, so that other people don't get killed, Right? Um, here's the thing, like, you get one skill point per level up as you're playing this game, and in, you know, I'm assuming level 99 is the highest level, but in the game, there's probably 250 skill points worth of skills. So, like, you could put, you could play the game, and you could put a fortress as one of your main characters in your party, and your fortress could look entirely different by the end of the game than mine. Like, depending on the rest of your classes that your characters have chosen as well. Um, so that was that was always kind of the general outline of Etrian Odyssey. The other thing that Etrian Odyssey does that is kind of um, a staple and incredibly unique to this series is that the bottom screen is always used as a map that you fill in yourself. Oh. Yeah. So um, games that you and I didn't play, but um, traditional old old school PC gamers will remember like wizardry would be a first person perspective because um, this game is in, is a first person perspective until you enter battle and then battle is in um, battles also in first person but it goes to a different screen so everything's in first person perspective so it's like a dungeon crawler first person perspective but games like wizardry which were also first person perspective um, they were the same thing like dungeon crawlers where you slowly methodically moved like one space at a time through a dungeon and you would recognize the game even though I know you never really played them but I know you would recognize the type of game do you know what I'm talking about ish yeah sure why not okay so um but the thing is is like when you played those games if if you played those games back in like the 80s or the uh or like the the early 90s you would know that, like, you would you would, you would, would have to map, like, the dungeons that you entered, but you'd have to map them yourself. You'd have to get out, like, graph paper and and map those games. And there's a definitely a subset of, like, 
old school role playing game fans that really miss that that like miss bringing their own stuff to the table so this game kind of kind of is supposed to harken back to those old times except it gives you that the utility to map it on the bottom screen so oftentimes the way that Etrian Odyssey is played is you'll enter a dungeon and you will have no information at all other than like a quest maybe that has brought you there and you'll start to map the dungeon and like you'll get as far as you can and then there's an item that you can use to teleport immediately back to town because if you die you're dead you have to reload um so no matter how bad of a position that you're in as a group, like if four of your characters are dead, even if you just have one that's alive, you can just teleport out of the dungeon with this item and go immediately back to town, right? Um, so you'll go into a dungeon, you will start to like start mapping, you'll start to move and, and map out the dungeon, and you'll get as far as you can, and eventually the battle the like the battles in that dungeon will wear you down to the point where you just you can't go on. And eventually at the end of every dungeon, for the most part, there's like a large boss that you'll have to kill as well, right? Um, so there'll be a point where you just can't go on anymore and you'll just have to go back, you'll have to heal, restock and then kind of try again. And since you've got the dungeon mapped out, you can oftentimes move much faster through the dungeon. And so you slowly and methodically work your way through these dungeons, all the while killing a bunch of stuff, getting a bunch of loot. As you sell loot, you unlock new stuff to buy, so that's how you get equipment. So you pretty much... That's the only way to get to equipment, is to kill new stuff and sell the stuff to the main shop that there is. Um... And eventually you'll get to the end of the dungeon. And, you know, some dungeons will will bring you into the dungeon for just, uh, like, one item that you have to find in the dungeon. Other ones are, like, the story dungeons. And to uh, the point of the store of, like, the main story dungeons is to progress the main story of the game. The main story of the game being you just need to go to the tree, Yggdrasil, and get to the top of it. Because there's something happening there. Um... And so you'll go through these, and these dungeons are like super large. There's always a very powerful boss at the end that you'll oftentimes have to kill. You know, you'll like get worn down as you're as you're working through the dungeon, and then also have to kill this really powerful boss at the end of working through the dungeon. Um, and it's just it's like the, the none of your characters have any personality because they don't because you create them. They they don't interact with anybody. So the game is like pure mechanic. It's like pure turn-based role-playing game mechanic. Um, and it scratches this just like really old-school itch for for like what I remember about role-playing. Like, like the, the party-building aspect of a game like Baldur's Gate is kind of what it reminds me of. So it's a much like different itch than your traditional Japanese role-playing game. But it definitely... It definitely like fills that that RPG kind of void that's there, um, mm. and it's got so it's got kind of these like Western qualities, except it's made by Atlas, a incredibly an incredibly Japanese developer, um, and it takes those like formulas of those old games like Wizardry, and it really like by giving you that map on the bottom screen. Um, by by giving you the ability to just like teleport back to town really easily, it it really like pushes that traditional genre forward into more interesting territory for like modern gamers. Um, and that's honestly like every Etrian Odyssey is honestly the same. the The differences in them are like 
they'll change up the character classes that you unlock a little bit. Um, for instance, like in the second Etrian Odyssey, I've played through the first two. I didn't play the third one, but in in like the second, the first one had eight classes and like one you unlocked. In the second one, you they had like a secret class you could unlock, but it wasn't like none of the stuff that you can get in the game is game breaking at all ever, because the game is supposed to be very difficult. So like the secret class was just a bunch of like fun utility stuff, um, and. And then, like, in 4, they've added a... And I think they added this in 3, too. There's, like, an overworld map. Because in the first two, there was not an overworld map at all. It was just, like, here's a dungeon. Like, you go to that dungeon. Kind of Um, linear? Well, very. Because, like, it would literally... Like, the first one was literally just... You're going to start going... Climbing this tower. This dungeon tower. And you just start climbing. And you just... And you go from like floor to floor, and then there are different. Str- there were different strata. Like every five floors turned into like a completely different looking place. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now, like they've got this overworld map where you can fly your balloon um, to these different areas, and there are like I in just the first area alone, there were three different dungeons that I had to explore. And each dungeon takes a long time. Like I probably, I've probably already put because you know I was on vacation with my free time. I was playing playing this game. I probably put like 10 hours into this game. And I'm only through like the first land. I'm assuming there's like four or five lands. Um, but it is all about like creating the most efficient team possible. And they've done some interesting things. So like er- in the early Etrian Odysseys, say you got to your character like high level and you realized, man, I like I built this character wrong. Um, you would you could respect them, so you could like re re-enter all of their points. But in the earlier Etrian Odyssey games, they would cost you ten levels to do that. Wow. So you would have to de-level your character by ten levels if you wanted to respect them into like a different a, into a different way to go. Um in this game it's two levels, which is much, much more reasonable. Right? Because like I've already got one character where I'm not terribly fond of like what I've done with her. And I kind of just I'm considering cutting my losses here and redoing the whole thing, um, but like overall, it's it's super satisfying in terms of a role playing game. And I know we talked like last week about um, games being portable and how portable games I think I mm-hmm. think are are definitely different than console games. And in general, I don't think that role playing games really work as portable games. But because this game has absolute... Like, the objective is always the same. The objective is to move forward in the dungeons, explore whatever you can find, and then just keep moving forward to eventually get to the main dungeon at the end of the game, since the objective is always the same, and there is no story, for the most part. Um, you, You can jump in. Like, you can jump back into the game and be totally fine. Because you're you know exactly what you're going like the objective of, of what you're going to be doing is when you jump right in. So like I had no problem just shutting it, leaving it for three hours and coming right back to it in like the middle of a dungeon. It's like, oh yeah, I remember I was mapping this dungeon because that's what I that's what you do. Like you map every dungeon. That's like the first thing you do. So a couple of other little things. Like you unlock shortcuts through dungeons as you move. So like you'll you'll come up to a wall that says, you know, I can't get through this way. But once you've explored the whole floor, you know, in the hour that it takes you to explore the floor, you then find the other side of the shortcut, you move through that way, and like you now have a very short much shorter path to like 
travel into the lower levels of the dungeon. So that's pretty cool. That's a smart way to, des to design the dungeons. Another thing are there these things called foes. And they are um, enemies that you can see... You can actually see them on the map. Otherwise, battles are random. But you can see these foes on the map. They move every time you move. So there's kind of like a little chess game oftentimes that goes on with them. Um, and they are like incredibly powerful. Like a foe in general can wipe out your party even at full health and everything. So and that there you know there may be four or five on a floor. And oftentimes they're put in they're put there in a way to make you um have to think about how to move around the floor to like avoid them. But foes also drop a very large amount of experience and and the items that you can get from them are unique to them, unique to, to the foes, which means that when you sell them, you can get access to some like really, really powerful equipment. So like, if you can take them on and kill them, it's really, it really behooves your party to do that. But oftentimes you have to like make a special trip into that dungeon to do that. So like I would have to set up my party and say, all right, I'm going to go in with the intention of killing this foe. Pretty much you have the ability to go kill one of them, and then you'll have to teleport out to, to restock and heal, right? And do they respawn? Do those foes respawn? They do. Um, after you rest for like a couple of days or something. Oftentimes okay. they'll respawn. So uh, overall, I'm, I, you know, I, uh, I'm definitely biased in, in my case because like, I really liked the first two Etrian Odyssey games. But like if, if you remember back when role-playing games were were a thing, and like I said, I never actually played the wizardry games. I never, I never played those. But had I, I probably would have loved them, um, because I really love love this game. But if, like, if you are all about the 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 team building part of role playing games, sometimes like a Dragon Age, where you could create a party of people, um, you know, that was a four. That was you created a party of four, and you got unique characters, all with very strong personalities but they were when you boiled down the game they were various character classes that you could kind of choose to have in your party if you'd like right um if you were like if you're fans of that type of game I, like you would really like this game because it is that distilled to like it is its purest form like i said your characters don't even have personalities there's no real story there it's just like a team building exercise um push as far as you can. The game will push back incredibly hard, uh, but it makes it super satisfying when you succeed. So like, getting through that first... I, I think when I first started playing the game, I probably played through maybe the first dungeon, which I mean, was two hours into the game. Um, but getting through... the like Killing that final boss of the first um, the first land, like the first stratum area was super satisfying because it took a lot of planning it took it took a lot it took luck um it took a lot of grinding and stuff it was so it was really fun it was really good well good i'm glad you enjoyed it i did I... and i do and i will continue to play i will this is what i'll continue to play oh and to give you an update on batman i'm done with batman already i am you quit so, I did. So I played it for like, and this well, is. Wait, hold on. Let's can, before we get to Batman. Can I ask a couple yeah, questions about? Yeah, of course you. Of course you can. So you. This mentioned... is Etrian Odyssey Four, by the way, and this is the first one for the 3DS. Etrian Odyssey Four. Okay. Did you talk about Etrian Odyssey on another podcast way back? It may have been a long, long time ago. Okay. 
So you mentioned that you don't think that JRPGs um, are necessarily the best format uh, or not the best necessarily genre for portable games. But you mentioned this game takes a lot of grinding. And I've, I've been playing through Bravely Default. And what, what I think is what I think you could argue for JRPGs being on a handheld, which I've kind of found with Bravely Default, is I've reached a point where I need a bit of grinding. But mm-hmm. when you're portable... Like in my case, when I take the train in the morning and then the train in the evening and then maybe play a little bit before bed, I can open it up, do a couple battles, shut it. Open it up, do a couple battles, shut it. Open it up, right. do a couple battles, shut it. And that that breaks up the monotony a bit because grinding is not necessarily inherently very fun. And I would kind of prefer that over having to sit in front of my TV and just do the same battles for like an hour in one sitting or two right. hours in one sitting. So... I would kind of maybe argue a bit for that, but I would also presume that you're speaking more in terms of storyline and story arcs and knowing where you are, and that's where some of the yeah, and actually, like like in terms of Bravely Default, I, that's one of, that was one of my problems with it was like I I would get stuck in the middle of the story and something that was like interesting to me. I would get stuck in the middle of story in the story at like a boss that I couldn't kill and I would have to grind for a while and I'd kind of lose the thread a little bit. Whereas in, you know, in Etrian Odyssey like I'm saying there just there is no thread. There's no thread yeah. to lose. And that's like if you're if you if you can't deal with not like having stories in your role playing games, this is not the game for you. Like don't even come near it because there like there is no story. Um, but that was part of my problem with Bravely Default when I played it was like I got to a point and I would hit a boss and the boss battles are so good they are so good in in uh, Bravely Default but oftentimes you're not like ready for them when you get to them and yeah, so I've, I've run into one that I just destroyed me and I'm like okay I should probably grind a lot right and exactly and so like you know now there's now there's grinding to do and. One, like you said, it's not like inherently fun. It's not like it's not like I in any to... game in any RPG, right? It's not yeah, really... exactly. It's not like I love to go to go grinding. So, um, like uh, I would lose that thread then, and then I wouldn't. It would take me. It would take me. It cons- like I would have to make a concerted effort to go back to that thread. You know what's kind of funny to me about that is. Your favorite, one of your favorite Final Fantasy games, Final Fantasy Nine, and one that I like quite a bit as well. In addition to Final Fantasy Ten, and to a degree, Final Fantasy Seven, and find, actually a lot of the Final Fantasy series, you get to a certain point in the game, and then you unlock an epic mini game like Final Fantasy Nine, Chocobo Hot and Cold, Final Fantasy Ten, Blitz right. Ball, Final Fantasy Eight, uh, Triple Triad, Final Fantasy Seven, Chocobo Racing, and. Once you get to the point where you can just dive in, like I remember FF nine, I you know I got twenty thirty well, hours in the game. Cold was awesome. Yeah, but but it was funny. You talk about breakup story beats. Like I stopped playing that game to play Chocobo Hot and Cold for sure. 10, 15, 20 hours. Blitzball, way worse offender. Blitzball is like thirty to forty hours. You just dump in, and then when you're done, kind of mastering that mini game, then suddenly you're like, what? What's the story? Yeah, of this what game was again? happening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no idea. So I'd say the Final Fantasy series is the worst because our friend John, like he played like a hundred hours of Blitzball and then stopped. Like I think he got Waka and one other character 
and then mastered Blitzball and then stopped playing the game. Which there's no, I mean, to be fair, there's no like wrong way to play the game. Like no, if no, that's, no, not at all. Like if you like if you went to Final Fantasy X and like that's what you realized, holy shit, I don't even need to play this game ever again. All I, I have Blitzball. I have my true love. So like if you, you know, if if that is what happens and like you absolutely love it, then hey, good good on you. If, but but like that was this, you know certainly not why I was playing those games. Sure, but you didn't get sidetracked in like FF9 with Chocobo Hot and Cold for several oh, I did. hours. I I did, but they very like Chocobo Hot and Cold a little different because they very directly affected the rest of the game because you unlocked a bunch of great equipment that way. Like very unique equipment that could teach you unique abilities that way using those epitaphs, the Chocobo epitaphs. Mhm. But in like Blitzball didn't do anything for you. It gave yeah, it you, you Waka's Waka's ultimate ult- weapon. That was it. That was it. That's nothing. Yeah, but it was really good. Yeah, I'm not saying the game was bad. I'm just saying like it. It didn't directly affect the main the main game. And those at were all. those are more fun inherently than grinding. I was kind of comparing it to grinding in terms right. of it taking you in off terms of a distraction. Yeah, in terms of a distraction, but. Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess they're always there. I guess it's kind of it's kind of whatever. And th- and that brought me my I guess my final question was I re- I remember I was wondering you mentioned you would stop playing Bravely Default and when you started talking y- on this episode you said like I st- I've only played this game for a short bit and then I came back to it and then you dropped Atrium Odyssey four and I'm like what is that? But you never finished Bravely Default. You only played a few hours of that and then got to a boss somewhere and you just stopped, right? Yeah, I mean, and uh, I. D- no, I actually got quite far in that game. I mean, I was, oh, you did? I, I did. I'm, I'm at the end of I think chapter four. Oh, okay. Which I th- I think is feels like a decent amount of time to have played that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I I did encounter a boss that was difficult, and I did a bunch of grinding, and I still couldn't beat the boss, and then I put it down, and that made me not want to pick it back up again. Yeah, like that was kind of that was kind of where I ended up with that game. Now, did you reach the point with the controversial use of uh, SP points or whatever, the final... Apparently, at the very end of the game, uh, our friend Jamie Butterworth of the Butterworthy podcast uh, spoke at length about this, and and Gamers at Large addressed it as well, another really great video game podcast. I I didn't listen to it because I I wanted to avoid the spoilers. I listened to them talk around it, but at the end game, there's a very controversial... I guess for some people, I didn't get to I didn't really so you didn't get to, get to that so, so for some people game ruining I'm working my way through the game now that I've put down Pokemon and tabled that for a little while so when I get there we'll address it on this podcast but if you haven't gotten there yet then I guess I guess I'll get there when I get there but I, I'm moving yep. through that game very slowly very slowly and I'm playing on hard mode I'm I've only been doing hard mode oh and s- what does that do does that just make enemies more difficult it makes enemies more difficult it, I think it gives them more hit points. I think that they uh, more often times start with an extra extra brave point. Uh, just a couple things, but it 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 has upped the challenge quite a bit. So it's I think it's more well balanced now for for me. But some of the bosses I feel are really hard now to the point where I don't even know how much grinding will help. Like I to unlock summons in the game, apparently you have to defeat them. And I got to the first summon, and it killed me in one hit before I could enter any commands. You don't actually have to defeat them. You just have to survive one attack. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, 
Once again, something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. So that like that's Ichiro Odyssey. I like it. Um, and I Ichiro Odyssey four. Right, and I stop. I just I totally stopped playing Batman. Yeah, let's and, talk Batman. Okay, so I got to the point that that occurs in every Batman game, where everyone has a gun. <laughs> you know the point I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns into it turns into a stealth game. Well, like up until this Batman game, I've always thought the story's been been really good, and and interesting. And interesting, interesting enough, because I've always the stealth has been a little lacking in the bat, in the new Batman games. I haven't been terribly impressed with it, including so, Arkham Asylum. In Arkham Asylum, it was a little better because the like the rooms, everything was tuned to a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. So like the rooms were much smaller that you had to like. There was a great there was a great stealth section in Arkham Asylum for Poison Ivy's area that was really vertical. It's it's you probably don't remember, but it I was, do remember it. It was it was really I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's and so it was super like narrow cylindrical area, but it was it, but it was really vertical. But like every single time you went to like a platform or something, there'd be a gra- a grate that you could walk through and move around to like the and and go way up or way down and move on to the next grate. It was super awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and you maybe only had to kill like six people in that one, right? So, um, I reached that same point where, like, everybody has a gun, and in the Batman games, which makes sense, Batman can't just take on a group of nine thugs if everybody's got a gun. Like, that's not, like, he can't, and that makes sense. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is they, 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 like, you get to that point, everybody's got a gun, and you've been, you're doing, you're working in this big open world now, and you've got to, like, enter the like the headquarters of somebody and everybody outside of the headquarters has a gun okay fine um except now it's like hey we're not going to give you a ton of ways to stealthily kill these guys cuz you're just in this big open world but you're going to have to find a way to make it stealthy right so like they'll give you like grates here and there, but for the most part, it's just this big open like playground area, and you've you basically like to make it work, you've got to like drop down on somebody, hit them once, and fly away, for the most part. Yeah, and it, it was horrible. I tried it twice, and it was not. It was just not even close to fun. And I was like, well, like this is not the only case of this. Like, there's going to be other other times where I'm going to have to do this and I don't want to. So I was like I'm done. The game the game already wasn't really holding my interest that much um in terms of being like an interesting story like the other Batman games. So I was like I'm I'm not going to screw around with that. I'm like not having fun at all. Like this is the exact opposite of what I like came here for. So yeah, one that of the, was... the very last battles where you have to sneak around and Joker is holding somebody hostage in Arkham City was similarly horrible. I remember. There was just one encounter where you're, like, out in the open. He's in the middle of a big square outside of a building. And there are just people everywhere, like, on the tops of buildings. And there's, like, one way to kill them all. And you just have to swoop and kill them all one by one in, like, kind of a perfect order. It's yeah, quite... and it takes forever, and it's it not satisfying. Time. And it's not satisfying because up until that point you're taking on like 25 people in a group and beating the shit 
out of everyone with this great combat system and it's awesome and you feel totally badass right and then like you get to this you just get to this arbitrary point where it's like all right well you know actually if stuff if guys have a gun you're going to have a hard time with them and again like i said that's fine because batman probably shouldn't be able to just sit there and take a bunch of bullets but it's it's not fun like they don't Understood. make it fun. so that was why i shelved it all right. Well, I'm sorry you never finished it, and you will not get the Steam achievement, and that makes you a lesser gamer than me. I will say that I'm no, uh, I'm not. That doesn't make me less excited for Arkham Knight because Arkham Knight is the new one, because Arkham Knight is being done by Rocksteady, the same guys that did the first two. And while sure. I and while I I loved and I've said it before, I loved Arkham Asylum. I loved Arkham Asylum, and I really liked Arkham City. I still really liked Arkham City. So. I like I know they make great games. Cool. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed some of it. Yeah, I enjoyed it up until that dumb part and then I no longer enjoyed it. That's good. All right. Well, I did not really play anything new this week except Saturday I actually streamed a game. Did you see that I was Oh no, you were in a cabin. Never mind. I was, but I didn't you never gave me the announcement. You never told me. Uh, normally normally you, you like text me and say, "Hey, I'm going to stream." And then I'm like, "Sweet. I'll check that stream out." Yeah, I yeah nope. Not yeah, no, you just organized. didn't. You just didn't do that this time. Pretty much didn't care. Yep. So I played a game called DLC Quest. Have you heard of this? I have, but I don't know anything about it. I, I paid seventy five cents for it. That's. I hope it's worth every penny. At the humble store, it was worth every penny. Now I'm not going to go in depth into it because. I have the footage from it, and I am going to make a supercut of me playing it, and I will put that on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash unqualifiedpodcast. And I would love if you check that out. It should be up in the next week or week or two. So I will post a little supercut of it. It's very retro-style graphics, like Fez, kind of, very pixelated, very pixel art, I guess. Okay. But kind of newer, too. And it's a joke. I mean, it's a joke. The story is a joke. Basically, you have to use DLC to do anything. At the beginning of the game, for example, you have the ability to move right with no animation. That's all you can do. Okay. So you can just push right, and it just moves your character to the right. <laughs> and your character's not animated? And it's not animated. It's just a stagnant thing. Actually, and sounds you, pretty funny. Yeah, you get to it. So you walk through a few coins, and you get to a guy, and he says... Hey, congratulations, you moved right. Now unlock other skills. And then you have to use those coins you just collected to buy DLC, such as the feature to jump, or the feature to move left, or the feature to have animations. So you unlock a couple, then you go get some more coins, and then you unlock a couple more, then you get some more coins. Then, so the villain captured the princess or whatever the storyline is. You have to go to an area to the right. You get to that area, and it says, sorry to go to this new area. You have to unlock the DLC, and then you have to go collect a bunch of coins so you can afford the DLC, and then buy it, and then continue. Um, okay. So, conceptually, that's pretty funny. It sounds kind of cute. It's it's pretty cute. Um, And then the NPCs have very funny dialogue. I will say I laughed out loud a few times, and uh, some it's 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 quite good. Some of it's quite good. Like it's predictable because you kind of you know you get the joke. The joke is you have right. to pay for everything, but they they go into some other video game tropes in the dialogue. It it is pretty funny. Um, 
this game is actually two games. It's it's the DLC quest, kind of the main one, and then I don't tell me there's the... tell me there's a DLC to the DLC quest. No, there is not. Actually. How great would that be? That is a missed opportunity. <laughs> Ironically, I know, but there's the second part of the game. I don't remember what it's called. It's like a fistful of downloads or something, is what they call it. And so the first part of DLC Quest take, took me about like a half hour, forty five minutes, maybe an hour to beat. It's really plain. There, are, there are essentially no enemies. You just unlock stuff and grab coins. There's not really any peril. You can't die or take damage that I okay. can tell. So it's it's a bit bland, and I, I I beat it, and I was kind of like that was not really fun to play. The second game expands on some of the play controls. The NPCs are like four times funnier, and it incorporates callbacks to jokes from the first one <laughs> that are very self-referential. And they Interesting. add yeah, and they add spikes. So you can die on the spikes. Okay. And there are checkpoints where you have to return to the checkpoint. The um, the jumps were a little tricky at first. Once I got the hang of the wall jump, it actually became, to me, quite easy. And I'm not great at games, so take with that what you will. Sure. But it, it was fun. It added to a level of fun. And then um, – so there was there was a bit of monotony there, but for the most part it was fun. And there were two parts where NPCs made me just laugh – quite a lot so that alone made it worth 75 cents for me i got it on the humble indie store um again for 75 cents if you have to pay a dollar or two i'd say it's worth a dollar or a buck 50 for sure sure absolutely Um, yeah and i beat part two i think it was i think it was right around an hour so i think the between the two games it's about two hours of gameplay maybe three um again nothing super exciting but it's it's funny i mean there's some like it's yeah it's funny cute and charming it's funny, cute, charming. Um, the music's not bad, and again, um, again, it's like a side-scrolling action platformer kind of thing. Yeah. Not really any enemies, but it, it's cute enough. It's got some fun tropes, and I think the Let's Play should be should be pretty fun. I'm not I'm not going to post. I don't think the whole raw footage of it all, although that is on our Twitch channel at Twitch.tv/UnqualifiedGamers101. Um, so you can check out the gameplay video, but I will probably be more likely posting just a shorter cut of it that's a bit more digestible for you to enjoy. Sure. Um, but the, yeah, there's some good stuff in there. So that's DLC Quest. And as for this coming weekend, there we're I am doing a lot of podcasts. Can I just say that right now? Over the next week. Yeah. What else you got going on? Where's my calendar? Here we go. Let's oh, go. Oh, you got you got them written da- written down. I've, I've got a lot of them. It's, it's like kind official. of intense. So, obviously, since I'm, I'm not sure when our audience will be watching or listening to this podcast, I'll just throw out dates. So, Thursday, May 29th, 2014, I'll be uh, guest appearing on The Buttercast, which is Jamie Butterworth's podcast. John, hopefully, will be joining as well, if you can. Yeah, I'll try to. That is Thursday, May 29th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Then Sunday, June 1st at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, I am guest hosting All Things Good and Nerdy, the ATGN podcast, another podcast from the Gunna Geek Network, of which we are a part. John, you're more than welcome to come to that as well if you're free 10 a.m. on Sunday, Uh, June 21st. Working this weekend. June 1st. June 1st. Cool. And then Tuesday, June 3rd at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, I'm going to be on the actual Gunna Geek podcast – um, just guest hosting and talking some stuff and 
I'll hit you up if you're free Tuesday. Maybe you can appear on that. Um, so a couple different podcasts in the coming week. And part of the reason I wanted to appear on all these is because I'm, I'm, I'm totally nerding out. And I know that Mario Kart is not really your thing so much. Like, I know you like it, but it's you're not oozing over it like I am. That's actually true. Yeah. Um, Mario Kart 8 comes out Friday. I have it pre-ordered. I am super excited about it. I will talk all about it on next week's podcast, and I will probably talk a bit about it on all the other podcasts on which I'm appearing this week. So just go to gunnageek.com if you want to see some of those or just follow any of those people on, like, you know, Facebook and stuff. And I also got... I also got this. Do you see that? Do you know what this is? What is that? It's it's Watchdogs. Um, it's Watchdogs. It's a video game. I heard it came out, so I bought it. What is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's a game. Oh, okay. Well, we we play some of those. Literally, the only reason I bought this was because it takes place in Chicago, and I want to walk around the Chicago streets. Uh, so, um, in all honesty, I've heard actually very good things about it so far. And I've heard very mixed things. I've heard some pe- I've heard um, it's getting very mixed reviews. So some people really love it, and other people aren't loving it. So I don't know. I I may like it. I may not. Um, I'm coming in with pretty much zero expectations. I don't want to read anything about it or learn anything about it. Sure. But but I do want to ask. And I I know listener, if you're listening to our audio podcast, you can't see this. But John, do you notice something something particular about this box? Anything about this box that it's in? Um. It's shrink wrapped. It's shrink wrapped. That that's actually what I was going for. Which means the vi- you could do an unboxing of. Wa- I'm going to do Watch an Doge. unboxing video. Yeah. So there's one more thing uh, to look out for on our our growing and soon to be robust YouTube channel. Yeah, listener. which we do have a, a great unboxing video on there. It is very. D- did you watch it? I did. It was very. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty solid. It's very good. So if you have not seen the unboxing of uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen Three Lightning Returns Three, the return of Final Fantasy Thirteen Three, you should definitely check that out. Yeah, yeah. Please check out our YouTube channel. There's what I think is some pretty good stuff. So I'll I'll unbox Watchdogs, post that video eventually. I am but one man. I don't know when I'm going to have time to edit all these videos with all these guest hosting I'm doing, and summer is here, so people are having parties and like there's a lot to do, John. Yeah, but most of those high school kids have curfew. That's true. That's true. Most of my uh, most of my eighteen and nineteen year old friends are home for the summer because they're not in school right now. So there's that. It's really gross. Yeah. All right. So there's that. But yeah, a lot of things on the horizon. Mario Kart Eight, Watchdogs. I'm working on Bravely Default, and uh, looking forward to hearing what in God's name you're playing next week, other than Diablo Three. I'm probably going to play some Diablo 3. Oh, when's our E3 preview episode, by the way? When's E3? Uh, two weeks. All right, cool. So next week we'll preview E3. Sure. You have predictions, I mean, right? Oh, of course I do. I, I know nothing about what's happening this year, so they're going to be like the most outlandish, wild predictions ever. It's going to be great. Okay, cool. Me too. I'm not reading anything about it. So yeah. next week, listener, get ready for our unqualified E3 predictions, which are sure to be... Both hilarious and educational. Not educational. Probably not, not educational. Yeah. I'll give you I'll give you a teaser. Nintendo and Sega are merging. <laughs> That's my teaser preview. What if that happened? Do you think the internet would explode? Hey, look, it's gonna happen. That's why I said it. Really? Yeah. Really? 
Maybe. You heard it here first, listener. Nintendo and Sega are merging. Yep. Okay. I'm done. I'm going to bed. I know you are. I hate you so much. I know. Well...